Howdy, everybody. The following is a recorded discussion with Chaplain Raymond, our Attorney General for the Republic State of Texas. We've been going over a book called The Authority of Law by Charles A. Wiseman. Today we started a court case, which was um, on page 49. This was a 17-page court case that was in the book. Uh, the State of Minnesota as the plaintiff versus John R. Smith, the accused. And today we went over approximately two and a half pages. Authority of Law by Charles Wiseman. Now, I just want to worry about something with regard to subject matter jurisdiction. And I'll go to the last paragraph that precedes, or the next to last paragraph, that precedes the sample court document. All right, let me start with... Um, the tail end that led into the subject matter jurisdiction. If one is asked to plead to the charges, it should be said that you cannot plead at this time because you believe that the subject matter for the case is lacking. And you choose first to submit a motion to dismiss on those grounds. I was sent a sample subject matter jurisdiction case, and they begin to discuss where the procedures in following up on the cause were at fault, without addressing just the issue of the source and the relationship issues that have to do with subject matter jurisdiction. If it's not a source you're subject to, and if you have no relationship, to it, then the subject matter does not apply to you. It doesn't matter what procedures or other things that they have written up that they've not done. So, after you tell them that you're, dis you're going to submit a motion to dismiss on the grounds that you believe subject matter for this case is lacking, the government may try to say that the laws in question were lawfully passed by the legislature pursuant to the Constitution. Technically, this can be said since laws like the ones in the revised statutes or U.S. codes were passed by the legislature, but this is not the issue. The issue is whether the laws charged against you or laws like them were passed by the legislature or Congress, but rather that they don't exist in their current state as valid laws. Yes, they passed them, they adopted them in mass, they adopted the whole code, they adopted the whole book, and we've just gone through one tracing down the Internal Revenue Code and found that all they passed was the title and not the book. That is, they failed to follow the valid form and style of law due to the manner in which they are published or promulgated. If the court says that the authority for the law is the legislature, the reply should be, where is the legislative enacting authority for the law? Okay, now let's turn to the case. Um, it's 17 pages long, and this was in the state of Minnesota, 
County of Hennepin. It was in their fourth judicial district in a district court. And this was prepared by the accused. And it's a memorandum in motion to dismiss for lack of subject matter jurisdiction. Now, the man's name, it says here, is John R. Smith. Comes now the accused in denying and challenging the jurisdiction of the above-named court over the subject matter in the above-entitled cause for the reasons explained in the following memorandum. Now, memorandum of law is to set out those things upon which you are relying and calling to the attention to the judge that he should pay attention to. Now, the nature of subject matter jurisdiction, just in case they've forgotten. The jurisdiction of a court over the subject matter has been said to be essential, necessary, indispensable, and an elementary prerequisite to the exercise of judicial power. This is 21 Corpus uh, Juris Secundum Court, Section 18, page 25. A, con a court cannot proceed with a trial or make a judgment without such jurisdiction existing. Now, citing a quote from a court, it is elementary that the jurisdiction of the court over the subject matter of the action is the most critical aspect of the court's authority to act. Without it, the court lacks any power to proceed. Therefore, a defense based upon this lack cannot be waived and may be asserted at any time. And the site there is called a matter of green. Subject matter jurisdiction cannot be conferred by waiver or consent and may be raised at any time. That's citing Rodriguez v. State in Florida. The subject matter jurisdiction of a criminal case is related to the cause of action in general and more specifically to the alleged crime or offense which creates the action. The subject matter of a criminal offense is the crime itself. Subject matter in its broadest sense means the cause, the object, and the thing in dispute. Now we're talking about a real common law criminal thing in that instance. An indictment or complaint in a criminal case is the main means by which a court obtains subject matter jurisdiction and is the jurisdictional instrument upon which the accused stands trial. State v. Chatman in Kansas. The complaint is the foundation of the jurisdiction of the magistrate or court. Thus, if these charging instruments are invalid, there is a lack of subject matter jurisdiction. Without a formal and sufficient indictment or information, a court does not acquire subject matter jurisdiction, and thus an accused may not be punished for a crime. A formal accusation is essential for every trial of a crime. 
Without it, the court acquires no jurisdiction to proceed, even with the consent of the parties. And where the indictment of in or information is invalid, the court is without jurisdiction. Without a valid complaint, any judgment or sentence rendered is void ab initio from the beginning. That's Route V Police Court in El Cerrito in California. Jurisdiction to try and punish for a crime cannot be acquired by the mere assertion of it or invoked otherwise than in the mode prescribed by law and if it is not so acquired or invoked, any judgment is a nullity. The charging instrument must not only be in the particular mode and form prescribed by the Constitution and the statute to be valid, but it must also contain reference to valid laws. Without a valid law, the charging instrument is insufficient and no subject matter jurisdiction exists for the matter to be tried. Where an information charges no crime, the court lacks jurisdiction to try the accused. Whether or not the complaint charges an offense is a jurisdictional matter. An invalid law charged against one in a criminal matter also negates subject matter jurisdiction by the sheer fact that it fails to create a cause of action. Subject matter is the thing in controversy, Holmes v. Mason in Nebraska, citing Black's Law Dictionary. Without a valid law, there is no issue or controversy for a court to decide upon. Thus, where a law does not exist, or does not constitutionally exist, or where the law is invalid, void, or unconstitutional, there is no subject matter jurisdiction to try one for an offense alleged under such law. If a criminal statute is unconstitutional, the court lacks subject matter jurisdiction and cannot proceed to try the case. Where the offense charge does not exist, the trial court lacks jurisdiction. Not all statutes create a criminal offense. Thus, where a man is charged with a statute which does not create a criminal offense, such person was never legally charged with any crime or lawfully convicted because the trial court did not have jurisdiction of the subject matter. There must be a valid law in order for subject matter to exist. I want to repeat that. There must be a valid law in order for subject matter to exist. In a case where a man was convicted of violating certain sections of some laws, he later claimed that the laws were unconstitutional, which, divide, which deprived the county court of jurisdiction to try him for those offenses. The Supreme Court of Oregon held, if these sections are unconstitutional, the law is void 
and an offense created by them is not a crime, and a conviction under them cannot be a legal cause of imprisonment. For no court can acquire jurisdiction to try a person for acts which are made criminal only by an unconstitutional law. Without a valid law, there can be no crime charged under the law. And where there is no crime or offense, there is no controversy or cause of action. And without a cause of action, there can be no subject matter jurisdiction to try a person accused of violating said law. The court then has no power or right to hear and decide a particular case involving such invalid or non-existent laws. These authorities and others make it clear that if there are no valid laws charged against a person, there is nothing that can be deemed a crime, and without a crime there is no subject matter jurisdiction. <coughs> jurisdiction. Further, invalid or unlawful laws make the complaint fatally defective and insufficient, and without a valid complaint, there is a lack of subject matter jurisdiction. The accused, John R. Smith in this case, asserts that the laws charged against him are not valid or do not constitutionally exist as they do not conform to certain constitutional prerequisites and thus are no laws at all which prevents subject matter jurisdiction to the above-named court. Now, because of the shortness of time today, I'm going to stop at this point, because up till now, everything that we've read would apply to anyone writing something up as a motion to dismiss subject matter jurisdiction. The next part in these pages will be things that are unique to the facts and circumstances in Mr. John R. Smith's case in Minnesota. Therefore, we must begin to review the rest of it with particular attention. Now, I'm going to ask Charles, uh, Mr. Chustang, rather, Bill Chustang, to have available for tomorrow the things to insert here in his place. That is, if he has no objection. I don't have any objection. I have a file with it. All right. So tomorrow we'll take it up and begin to put it in the form that Mr. Chustang will need for the city of Abilene. Are there okay, any questions? So what you what you really want is the ticket and the warrant and all the other good stuff. Yes, sir. Okay, no problem. And we'll then proceed and go through the rest of it starting tomorrow. We still got, I'm only on page 3 of 17. It is, it is important that we go through this whole thing so that you see it and hear it and this would be what the judge would be expected to read before making a decision. And we'll discuss ways of getting that before him at that time. So are there any questions up to now?
I'm sorry about the delay. I don't know how to make it up to you unless we start 30 minutes early tomorrow. <laughs> I, I don't. Nobody's voting for that. No, we'll we'll be all right. Okay, well, if there's no questions and any further comments, since we're traveling, we're going to go ahead and sign off. Okay, we'll hear from you tomorrow. Thank you all very much. Bless travel.